Welcome to Medspectives, the podcast about health professionals, the stories of their practice, and their diverse perspectives into the world around us. I'm your host, Arvind Rajan, and on today's episode, we're joined by Dr. Antonio Webb. A couple months ago one night, I was working on Medspectives, trying to find people to talk to, and as I was researching, I found a lot of really famous health professionals. A part of me was like, why even bother sending an email? They're probably really busy, and they probably won't even see it. But another part of me kept thinking about that concept of you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. And I'm really glad that I listened to that latter part of me as my message eventually reached Dr. Antonio Webb. Dr. Webb is a spine surgeon who overcame countless odds in his journey through medicine. He grew up in one of the most dangerous cities, lost his brother to cancer, suffered through PTSD from his time serving in Iraq, and despite all of this, he stayed committed to his dreams and is today a practicing physician. He wrote a book about his journey into medicine called Overcoming the Odds, and it is truly an inspirational book for anyone, whether or not you're considering medicine. Today, Dr. Webb runs a YouTube channel with over 200,000 subscribers and is an inspiration for pre-meds around the world. We chat about his journey as well as his amazing plans for how he's going to continue to change the world. Thank you so much, Dr. Webb, for this amazing opportunity to speak with you, and I hope you enjoy. Glad to have you here, Dr. Webb, today. Thank you so much for coming out. Um, this is really amazing to me because, you know, when I started this podcast, like it was kind of just an idea and seeing, you know, it get to the point where where you were interested in in coming on and, and sharing your experiences is, is just an amazing feeling for me. And I, I'm just very honored to have you here. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Of course. Um, I just read your book, Overcoming the Odds. Amazing book, by the way. Everyone should pick it up and, and, and give it a read. Um, whether you know, you're in medicine or you're trying to get really you know, motivated to go into medicine, it's just an amazing book that tells us about your journey of overcoming the odds, the countless odds that you overcame. And, and yeah. you know, it's just a really amazing story. Um, I think it'd be Thank cool if, if we could talk about maybe like parts about that book, you know, things that you wrote about, you know, kind of starting the beginning. Um, you were born and raised in Shreveport, right, in, in Louisiana, very um, dangerous city, like you describe mm-hmm. in the book, there's a lot of crime and, and everything. How was that scene growing up? And how did you stay, I guess, motivated to go on this path to medicine when like all your friends around you are like committing <clears throat> crimes and stuff? Yeah, I mean, that's the most common question that I get. I think it's, uh, I'm a big proponent that you can't become something that you can't see. So for me, I, I didn't know any black doctors growing up. I didn't, I had never met one. It, it wasn't like I can go on YouTube at that time and, you know, look at like a page like mine and like, wow, I do a doctor. I want to do that too. So it was actually a uh, medical careers magnet program that exposed me to the field of medicine that, um, I was like, wow, I can actually become a doctor. That's crazy. So I actually, uh, um, tried to stay out of trouble as much as I could. I got into a lot of trouble still, but uh, tried to stay out of trouble and uh, um, went into the military. That's what got me out of that type of environment. I was like, if I stay in Shreveport, man, I'm going to be either killed or in jail somewhere. So I joined the military at 17 and did eight years in the Air Force, and that got me to San Antonio. And after that, um, that's kind of where my career kind of started off as a medic in the military. Right. And when you were when you're growing up, um, I know in the book, you talk about how close you were to your to your brother um, and how much of a, of a you know, inspiration he was to you. Um, and it's really interesting to see like how delicate 
this this idea of overcoming the odds is right like you you make like one mistake or you make some mistake early on um and Mm -hmm. you're kind of your whole future is like is just thrown in for a loop absolutely yeah i have plenty of friends that got into trouble where the wrong uh place at the wrong time you know and landed themselves in jail for years like my my best friend growing up is my cousin and he just got out of jail you know for you know being in the wrong place at the wrong time doing something that he wasn't supposed to be doing so yeah absolutely one mistake you know hopefully that that's not like um career ending for a lot of people but uh, you got to be really careful especially the further you go along this path um you know you got to be really careful right and for you like when you're going through you know the military going through medical school how is it like dealing with um the kind of your personal life as well because i know you were talking about mm-hmm. how your brother um was battling cancer and mm-hmm. your your mother and, and sister were battling schizophrenia and you know had all kinds of um issues with with those conditions how is it like i guess staying in the zone right like while you're going through all this um and also balancing this on on your side and in, in personal life yeah i mean it's kind of sad to say but you uh, for me it's I become immune, I've become immune to a lot of things. Uh, just I've seen so much in my life that, you know, a lot of things that may affect a lot of other people uh, really doesn't uh, affect me to that extent. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I no one in my family is a, a medical doctor. My, I have an aunt who's a, who has her PhD, but outside of that, um, yeah, I mean, I, I have colleagues that have brothers, sisters, uncles, aunts that are physicians and those uh, type of environments growing up like that, like my son, like he's gonna have a totally different environment uh, than when I had growing up. So, you know, he's not gonna have to worry about um, joining the military to pay for college, which I felt like I had to get out of Louisiana. So um, his his upbringing, his childhood is already vastly different uh, than kind of mine. And, you know, his college is gonna be paid for before he's even like two or three, so. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's that's what going into the medical field and becoming a physician, that's not the only reason why you should do these things, but, you know, it, it can change your whole family tree just by you becoming a physician. Hopefully that motivates those listening to this. Right. And how do you think in your life that has changed? Like in the time that you became a physician, you know, finished medical school, how has your, I guess, family dynamic changed with regards to that? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think I can, um, my family members who, before I became a doctor or even a medical student, you know, they had problems or my family members that call me for certain, you know, think diseases and conditions that they're battling, whether that's my aunt who had breast cancer. So I had to get her kind of um, connected with people that were in her area. So <clears throat> I think um, just serving as a, um, a role model and kind of a mentor to a lot of family members as well as friends who need medical advice who, you know, that can just text me. Otherwise, right. you know, I wish I would have had somebody like, like a doctor I can text, like, yeah. hey, I got this little weird thing in my arm. What do you think about this? And send me a picture. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it's definitely life changing for my family and will be for future families, to, uh, future generations to come. So. Right. And your first step, I guess, towards that, like you said, was the military. And mm-hmm. how, 
how did that change your your outlook on on life like because like you you detail a lot of experiences in in the book i think one of the ones that I, that i find like really notable is is when you talk about the the rpg that gets launched like literally yeah. right in front of you and then it was a dud and it didn't go off like yeah <clears throat> yeah we, we, got, we got shot at uh, a lot so we got I think it was said that we survived over a hundred of those attacks while I was there. But uh, yeah, I mean, it makes you really appreciate life. That's probably, there's a couple of things that I would probably say the happiest days in my life. And one of those is coming back from Iraq. Uh, a couple yeah. other, another one graduated from medical school. Um, but yeah, I mean, it makes you really appreciate everything that we have here. I've traveled a lot and done surgeries in other countries and, you know, they don't have all the resources and manpower and access to care that we have most people have here in the U.S. So uh, it makes you really grateful and really humble, humble from, you know, your kind of uh, upbringings. And, um, you know, I, I started kind of from the bottom. I was a medic, medical technician, I used to change patients, kind of their, their um, clothes, bathe them, feed them. You know, I did all those things kind of starting off. So uh, I, I know what the nurses are going through. I know what the, uh, the PAs, um, and I'm just very humble to kind of do some of the things that I uh, do now. Right. And did you ever, I guess, like with that long journey, you know, going through the military, then going, like having to come back and adjust, um, take the MCAT. And like you said, you, you had to take it multiple times because you were adjusting and, and things. Did you ever feel like, you know, that, that wasn't, or medicine wasn't for you? Or like, did you ever feel discouraged in that sense? Oh, absolutely. I mean, along this path, you're going to see, you're going to, a lot of people are very smart in, in medicine. You have physicians that um, are brilliant and absolutely, you're going to feel discouraged. You're going to feel like you don't belong. You know, I just put up a video about this, about imposter syndrome, you know, that that's real. And, um, you know, that I don't think that never goes away. You still have those feelings. Uh, just like today, you know, I had a surgery this morning and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely a, crazy feeling from being in training for so long to actually call on the shots. And there was probably, man, uh, 10 people in the operating room, you know, and you're responsible for that patient. Like I had this lady, uh, I went, I did a surgery through her neck and fused her spine. So I'm messing right around her esophagus and her trachea, her carotid artery. I had to dissect all through there. You know, it's, uh, but that's what we go through all this training for. But it's, it was a lot of fun, um, and the patient did really great. But um, it, it's definitely a good feeling when you finish all your training. You're the person that is uh, taking care of these patients, and uh, you're the patient's doctor, and they really appreciate you. And as soon as she woke up from surgery, her arm pain had, had got better. So, as you know, it was a really good feeling. Right, and there's always light at the end of the tunnel, basically. Oh, right. absolutely. Yeah. Um, with your time in the military, um, what, what do you think are like, I guess, really notable stories or like anecdotes that you kind of mem remember very well from your time there that kind of, you know, you hold close to yourself? I would say it wasn't very, um, it wasn't very common what I did. I went to school full time when I was active duty in the military. So I would work from 7 a.m., let's say, uh, when I worked as a medic in the ICU or medical technician, and I would work from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., and I would go to school from like 8 to 10, um, or if I worked the night shift from 7 p.m. to like 7 a.m., I would go to school at 8 a.m., and I would go to school all day to like 12 or 1, and then take like a two or three hour nap, 
and go back to work. So I, I did that and it took me seven years to get my undergraduate degree, but that's probably one of the hardest things I've ever done. Um, just because, you know, trying to be competitive and, you know, have good grades to apply to med school. But, you know, the military is telling you one thing and you're trying to, a lot of times I just didn't say, tell anyone I was going to school. I would just go to school and study whenever I can. So uh, I could, but that was probably the hardest thing. But, you know, I learned a lot in the military about leadership, being very disciplined, being very structured in your studies. And uh, yeah, it set me up for, for success. And, and uh, yeah, I owed the military a lot for doing that. Right. And I find the, the concept like, um, of, of military, I guess, like ethics, right? Like when you have, mm-hmm. when you're in a medical setting where, you know, you want to get the most people you can back into, I guess, the fighting force. And so you can't yep. treat, you can't treat everyone. You, you know, you have a patient mm-hmm. that could potentially be brought back, but the amount of resources you got to pour into that in order to bring that person back, you could have brought back, you know, like four or five other people. And that yeah. idea is like, I learned this in, a, in an ethics class. That when you're in traditional medicine, right, in civilian medicine, you're treating every patient like an individual, like, you know, they're their own patient. But then when you're in the military, you're treating them as kind of a, a greater, a greater thing, like a greater good kind of situation. How did you find that? that feeling of like, you know, having to green tag people and red tag people, did you feel like kind of dissatisfied or like kind of upset that you couldn't treat everyone? No, I think that's mostly when there's like a, um, like a wartime situation or there's a, um, when we triage patients and try to, you know, treat patients that need the care the most, but in a wartime situation in the military, we would treat patients so they came in and they broke their finger, you know, versus someone who gets shot like in the leg. We're gonna treat the we're gonna treat the person that got broke their finger and try to get them back out so they can fight. So um, mass casualty is what it's called. But right. uh, yeah, I mean, you see that in the civilian side. I mean, there's plenty of times on trauma surgery. You know, when I was a resident, I would have probably six or seven patients in the trauma ER that you know I had to either fix their bones or put them back in place or you know, uh, wash out their dirty wounds from getting shot or something like that. And you have to triage and figure out what you want to, which one patient you want to do first, which one needs your care the most. And especially when you're a chief or you're a staff, you have to figure out trauma, which patients are the most sickest that need to go to the operating room the soonest. So if I have, you know, if I'm a chief resident, I have eight surgeries on my schedule that I need to do. Um, you know, your job is to figure out which ones you want to do first, which patients need to go first. So, right. But you know, and, that, that stuff comes with experience and, um, yeah, the, that's the fun part of being a doctor. You get to make all those decisions. Right. Kind of that high intensity, um, on the spot mm-hmm. thinking, right. Yeah. When you, when you came out of the military, I know you, you talk about this in the book about your post-war PTSD that you were kind of forced to be in denial towards mm-hmm. right like the idea of where like you, the military doesn't want you you know they give you this questionnaire to fill out and tell them that you have ptsd if you do yeah. but you're not actually yeah yeah i mean I, I, with those questionnaires you know they, they screen everybody but um the uh, most people would probably say like even though if you had symptoms um yeah you don't want to talk about that you don't want to it's kind of like one of those things you keep on the hush because people you know, it's stigmatized that you, this will go into your medical records. So I was like, no, I'm not trying to get that in my medical record. Or 
uh, I'm up for promotion, and if this comes up, you know, I'm not going to get promoted. So a lot of people just don't talk about it. And until something happens, like me, I got into a lot of trouble when I got back from Iraq. So, um, yeah, you know, that's one of the things that I wish the military is more open about. And it may, maybe things have changed since, you know, when I went overseas and got, was deployed. But uh, certainly coming back, you know, I, I circled no on everything. I wasn't going to yeah. tell anybody what I was going through and just bottled it all in. Right. And that's that's just so concerning because, like, it it will come out eventually, right? And you, oh, yeah. You said yep. that. Yep. Yeah. And, um when when you're when you're coming out of something like that right and and this is a kind of a theme that i saw like you mentioned a lot is this concept of influence and how easy it is to be influenced or you know influence mm-hmm. someone um like for you you talk about your father and how he influenced you to work harder and you know stay on this path um and then you talk about how he wasn't always like that right like he had mm-hmm. a a um an individual who in, invited him to church and that's the person who changed his life. And mm-hmm. then you talk about, you know, the friends of your brother that, you know, kind of peer pressure him doing the, into these bad things. It's so, I guess, interesting to see how easy it is to be influenced and how your whole trajectory can be changed by, you know, one person or like one small group of individuals. Yeah, like who, absolutely. Yeah. Either. Who for you, for yourself personally, like, who do you think, I guess, like once you were in medical school, I guess, like after the military, who motivated you to, to keep going in, in that regard? So uh, no one gets to medical school alone. You have to have a support system. Um, I studied with three females. One is a neurologist now, one is a urologist, and one is a radiation oncologist. And we studied together. We held each other accountable. We quizzed each other uh, and kind of got through medical school kind of together. So, but um, I kind of looked up to them and we kind of, it uh, was a support system. We leaned on each other and we were together like all the time and studied together and uh, late nights in the library. And um, I should just texted one of them today about um, a patient that I had. I was asking her something about urology that, you know, I don't really know about. So I sent her a question. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, you, you need someone, you need that uh, mentor. Mentors are extremely important. You need that someone you can contact and ask questions, bounce ideas off of. But no one gets through this path alone. This is uh, certainly a path that requires a um, solid support system. Right. And like medicine at the core is very collaborative, like whether you're working, whether mm-hmm. you're learning and, um, Absolutely. yeah. And when you, I guess, after you made it through and then you got through medical school, um, you know, with this crazy studying schedule that you talked about, like how you're, mm-hmm. you know, every day, you know, sleeping for what, like a couple hours every day. Cause you had to study so much. Um, after you do that, you finally get into residency. And now you're doing really amazing things, not only in patient care, but kind of in a grander scheme of things, right? Like you're inspiring pre-meds, you're inspiring um, other people that, you know, feel discouraged by using the experiences that you've had. How has that journey been? Like after becoming, you know, a doctor and mm-hmm. then realizing how, I guess, powerful your experiences are and how much they could actually motivate people what made you i guess write the book and what made you continue that and like your youtube videos and and your platform online 
Yeah, I kind of look at it as uh, motivation to someone who looks like me that uh, comes from a similar environment. So I wanted them to have a resource that they can use to uh, kind of inspire them along the path and something they can just pick up and kind of easily read it. But uh, and then that kind of uh, kind of eventually turned into a video format because I was getting questions from all students from all over asking very similar questions. And I was like, it's probably better if I put this into a video format. And then I also realized that there was really no surgeons out there that were like vlogging. So um, I saw that there was a niche for that and kind of ran with it. And, and um, you know, there's a lot of vloggers on, online, you know, compared to when I first started. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely been a journey and it's, it's a uh, very uh, humbled by it and kind of inspired to uh, hopefully inspire other people that look like me and uh, from similar backgrounds and everyone else out there but that comes from a totally different background. So, and um, like today you could go, go online and see someone who looks like you and be inspired by that. I didn't have that when I was growing up. Right. And you've been doing a like, phenomenal, amazing job. I think I, I watched your video a really long time ago. I think it was one you were like taking in, like MCAT questions. And I was like, like it was probably oh. when I was studying for it and, and you were taking MCAT yeah. questions and I was like, oh my gosh, you, am I going to remember this, <laughs> you know, in the future? Um, yeah. But I think it's really cool that you're, you know, you're not only just talking and, and motivating people, but you're kind of down to earth too with it, right? You're, you're talking about your day-to-day -day life. You're talking about the realities of yep. things like imposter syndrome and you're, you're, you know, like it, it's very welcoming, which is, which is an amazing thing to, to have as a pre-med because I feel like sometimes we, feel like, you know, talking to doctors is a little intimidating because of, you know, all those years of experience. Um, oh, yeah. so, so did you feel that when you're like a pre-med, like going through, were you, were you like ever like kind of afraid to, I guess, talk to people in that regard? Or did the military kind of make you more accustomed to something like that? Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, yeah. I had those same feelings and, um, you know, seeing doctors walk around the hospital when I was a technician just working at the bedside and uh, I really appreciate the doctors that took the time out and talk or really down to earth and cool but uh, yeah I'm probably one of the coolest doctors out there yeah most down to earth doctors yeah I agree I completely agree and yeah. um, Look at this. I'm, I'm, I'm listening to a uh, young Jeezy and uh, uh, Gucci man battle on Instagram really so how many doctors you know do that I don't know any I think I think you're the first one <laughs> That's awesome. And you, um, with, with that, like you're, you're doing a lot more too. You're expanding a lot. And, um, I think I watched your, your last video of, you know, you're not only practicing medicine and you're not just practicing, mm -hmm. you know, your spine, spinal spine surgery, which we should talk about a little bit too, like your actual, like what you're doing right now, but, um, you're also, you know, doing this product testing. You're also thinking of making these new channels to make patient information more accessible. Um, what what do you see yourself doing in the future with all these platforms like do you have kind of a set goal of something you know you're trying to like you know if you look back in your career these are the main things i'm trying to accomplish or or mm -hmm. is it kind of you're just kind of going as you as you um, yeah going with the flow uh, yeah. and then kind of, i guess my kind of vision is to uh you know education is one of the biggest things so i love to educate love to teach and um I just happen to have a passion for videography, so those things kind of go hand in hand. But yeah, you know, certainly two, two new channels. Um, you know, one 
it's called the, the business of medicine. The things that they don't, they don't teach you along this path. So you, they're not going to, there's not going to be any lectures that you're going to have in med school about uh, how to find a contract, how to find a job, um, how to negotiate with CEOs of hospitals. And when you're talking to these CEOs, like, what do you say to them? Like, what questions do you ask when you're looking at jobs, you know, um, about contracts, about working with various companies, things that you can do outside of um, your position kind of realm. So, but yeah, everything about business and medicine, private practice, how to start a practice, about how does billing work, you know, how do, how do physicians make money? Um, you know, they, they, those things they don't teach us along this path. And there's really not a lot of information out there. When I was looking, right. um, interviewing for jobs for a staff position, you know, before my interviews, I was going, I went on YouTube and I was like, there's nobody talking about like what questions I should ask or um, what things I need to know for that interview. There's none of that out there. And so hopefully I can fill that void. Right. And I think that's, like you said, there's the, the vlogging space is really, you know, there's a lot of people out there now, but like you said, there's no one in that niche that you talked about. And I think it's a very interesting thing that people are actually looking for. I, I don't want to keep you too long because I know you, you, you got a busy day uh, tomorrow and, 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 you know, this, this has been an amazing time, but what do you think are some really memorable cases that you, you hold close to yourself, you know, over your time in practice? I know you went to uh, Liberia and you did practice over there and, and you had some mm -hmm. really eye-opening experiences there. But you had to say like maybe one or two stories that you really hold close to you. What would they what would they be? I mean, yeah, that's why I like surgery in general. It's just the immediate gratification that you get. You know, a patient comes in and they can't walk because of a hip fracture and you know, like I can take them to surgery that night and fix their hip and do a hip replacement and they can be up walking like the next morning. So, you know, that you, you, it's, I love the gratification that you get from surgery. That's why I love, that's why I wanted to become a surgeon. And uh, just like a patient this morning, I did a um, fusion of her neck, decompressed her spine uh, because she had some spinal cord compression and a condition called myelopathy, which is um, a really bad condition that um, you need to like decompress their spine and um, she woke up from surgery and she was, um, wasn't in a lot of pain. Her arm pain had went away and she was, uh, it was really good to see that. So, um, but yeah, I, I love the immediate, immediate gratification. And, you know, you get that a lot with spine, with the uh, surgery in general for a lot of different surgeons. So. Right. And so that, that is another part about it. Like it feels like surgery sometimes though is, is intimidating, right? Like you, you have so much power and it's like you said, you're in the neck mm -hmm. and like one little thing can, can throw, throw the whole process out. Yeah. Especially, you know, it's a uh, very high risk. Um, when you're putting in screws near the spinal cord within millimeters of the, uh, either vertebral artery or the, um, if you go too medial or go too lateral, I mean, you can hit, there's very important structures. You don't want to hit those structures. So, um, you have to really study your anatomy. You have to really study the patient. There, not, no patient's the same, and no patient's going to present just like a textbook. So um, you have to use kind of your head and your experiences. And be like, oh, okay, I've seen this before, or I've done this before, and um, that's what that's what they call it practicing. Like you're, I'm, I'm, I'm in practice. Um, it's lifelong educational pra uh, process. So uh, you have to treat it as such. Right, you're always learning. Yep. Well, thank you so much uh, for your time today, Dr. Webb. Um, are there any any motivational or anything you want to say as you, as you close out? 
No, I mean, I think um, I haven't told too many people this, but I do have a movie coming out. Oh, it's a, it's oh. a documentary. Uh, it's called Overcoming the Odds Movie. It's coming out early 2021. Uh, so definitely look out. It's like a documentary, kind of spinoff of my book. But um, the the my, the idea, the goal is to get a bigger kind of movie deal. With that's that's my ultimate goal. So if you know anybody in Hollywood, let me know. Yeah, I mean, I, I wish I did, but um, you know, I like your videography is the next level. Like I'll tell you, like the last video you posted, you had this intro with like a drone shot coming in. And oh, yeah. then it kind of just like switched up to the to the driving part. Yeah. And I was like, I lost my mind. Like I was like, that was so clean. Like and yeah. I, I kind of kept replaying that over and over again. I was like, this is this is awesome. Yeah, and, I love that stuff. I, I have a film instructor that I haven't yeah. had a chance to work with her, but um I, I love videography. I'm an amateur though, man. Those guys out yeah. there are way better than me. Yeah. So, I mean you you gotta start somewhere learning. and I think yeah, yeah, you're getting you like that was just amazing. Yeah. I'm trying to do that soon. <laughs> Basically, the same exact yeah. thing. But, uh, but awesome. Thank you, Dr. Webb, for being an awesome guest and and um, talking about your experiences and stuff. It was really nice having you on the show. Um, thank you so much. Yeah, no worries, man. Thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed listening to our conversation, and thank you so much for listening. If you love Mitspectives, be sure to follow us on Spotify. Drop us a review on Apple Podcasts and share this podcast with your friends. It really helps us grow and I'd really appreciate it. Thank you so much and I'll see you next Monday.